celebrating back to basics, we thought that when you have litter, you just chuck it in a bin and that would be something quite basic. How many of you agree with me on that? But just recently, in fact, by recently, yesterday, CFC went and served our city. We were a whole bunch of people from the church that went to serve our city to help understand the basics of clearing up the litter. And we went and, and did some maintenance on some buildings and we just went out there to make our city a better place. And so I want to just give a shout out to every single person that was involved with that. Do we have anybody here in the auditorium? Yeah, we got a lot of you here. Did you have a good time this weekend on Saturday? It was so fulfilling and uplifting and it was so great to be a part of that. And, and the team that I was with where we were cleaning in, uh, in Pomona, we had two residents that came, just stopped as we were going about cleaning the streets and they rolled down their window and said, thank you so much for what you're doing. One lady said, what can I do to be a part of this? I also want to get involved in, in cleaning uh, uh, my local community. And so we told her a little bit about a Christian Family Church and what we're doing and, and how she can get involved. So it really made an impact, not only for those that got involved, but also for the people of the community. And so we thank God and we thank you. And uh, uh, you know, we look forward to having so many of you join us on our next initiative to go and make our city a better place. Praise God. What's well, good to be with you tonight and uh, to be given the opportunity to share the Word of God with you. And I'm grateful to Apostle Theo and, and Pastor Bev and, and for those of you that are watching from any of the other venues and also uh, streaming in live from home or wherever it may be other than here in person. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for those of you that are here for joining us tonight as we just unpack the Word on this, this wonderful topic that was started last week. Uh, by Pastor Andre called Closer to Jesus. How many of you desire to be closer to Jesus? I mean, it is just so good to know that we have a God that really wants a personal relationship with us. And uh, He makes every opportunity available. And you know, whenever you may mess up or feel like you've grown a bit distant, you just come back again. He's always there with His arms outstretched ready to receive you no matter where you've been, no matter what has happened, no matter how you may have fallen away or if you've never had an opportunity, I believe tonight will be your night to come and, and have a close relationship with God. So we spoke about Mary and Martha. Pastor Andre explained that, you know, there's so many things in this world that, that's vying for our attention. And I believe he used the word vying. So I was listening, Pastor Andre. And, and so there's so many distractions in this life and, and wanting to pull us away. That's the enemy's goal, isn't it? Immediately, the Bible says he comes to steal the word. So that's his number one goal in life is to steal the word, to steal our relationship with God. But if we just like Mary and sit at the feet of Jesus and do not neglect that closeness with him, like maybe Martha was doing, she was distracted and Jesus in such a loving way, said to you, you know, this is where you should be, as, 
is at my feet. And even though we do serve and we are involved in ministry, and of course it's very important and it's very good, we should never allow anything to distract us or pull us away from our close walk with Jesus, from being at his feet. So on the back of that, this second part to our message series on closer to Jesus, I want to talk to you about being seated at the table. How many of you know that God desires for us to be seated at the table? And when I was growing up, that was our culture. That's what we did at home is we had to sit around the table. We, uh, we had supper every night around the table and we weren't, we weren't actually allowed to watch television. We had to ask permission from our dad if we were able to go to the lounge when we did have a television. But anyhow, the point is that that was our culture and so many important things happen at the table. How about your lives? We have some serious talks that happen around the table. We have some fun around the table. We play games around the table. We look at report cards around the table. Sometimes those chats can get real serious. The point is that there's so much that happens around the table. It represents family. It represents closeness, and it represents actually so many things. And, you know, growing up, even when I was working and I was still staying at my, my parents' house, the job that I had, I had a pager. This was before the days of cell phones and emails and that sort of thing. And the pager uh, would, I would, because on a Monday night, even though we sat around the table every night, we also had chores. And Monday night was my dishwashing night. I didn't like dishwashing back then. And so what I would do is on Monday nights, I would arrange with my friend and say to him, listen, uh, Kev, I want you at this time, you need to send a page to me. And, uh, you know, it must be work-related that I've got a call out or something to that effect. And so when I'd come to dinner, I'd make sure that my pager was right there. And, and then just as we'd come to the point of finishing our meal, my pager would go off. Devastating. And I would pick up my pager. Oh, everybody knew Paul's got a call out. And so I would have to, you know, sadly, I would have to leave the house and go to my call out, which happened to be Kev's house. And then I would just go and chill over there. But it wasn't long couple of months of my family cottoned on to, to this and, and phoned Kevin one night and, and just said, uh, can we speak to Paul, please? So I was caught out, and guess what happened? There was a serious talk around the table as a result of that. But, you know, Jesus, he likes table talks too. In fact, if you think about the word, in so many occasions, he would be around a table in that kind of setting, and he would have a table talk. And so I want to chat to you tonight about a particular table talk that he had found in the book of Luke chapter 14. And, and so let's pick it up. I'm going to be reading from the message translation. It says, from verse 1 in Luke chapter 14, it says, One time when Jesus went for a Sabbath meal with one of the top leaders of the Pharisees, all the guests had their eyes on him, watching his every move. And right before him, there was a man hugely swollen in his joints. So he had a real problem in his body. So Jesus asked the religious scholars and the Pharisees that were present, is it permitted to heal on the Sabbath? Yes or no? They were silent. So he took the man, he healed him, and he sent him on his way. Then he said, is there anyone here who, if a child or animal fell down a well, wouldn't rush to pull him out immediately? not asking whether or not it was the Sabbath. They were stumped, it says here in the Word. There was nothing that they could say to that. 
Now, what's interesting is that right here in the middle of a dinner party, Jesus was still thinking about other people. Even in the midst of this dinner party, you need to understand that God is mindful of you. He's mindful of you any time of the day. Even when there's a lot going on around, around the dinner table, he sees the man with the swollen joints. He sees you. He sees whatever it is that you are going through, whatever challenge that you have, you need to understand that God is always aware of you and that we can trust God because he will always be there and he will always deliver. How many of you would agree to that? He always delivers. Amen. And so the Bible says he went on to tell a story to the guests around the table. Noticing how each one had, had elbowed their way into the place of honor. They'd all tried to get into the best seat, to get into the, the number one seat, the most important seat. And, and he, he said, when someone invites you to dinner, don't take the place of honor. Somebody more important than you might have been invited by the host. Then he'll come and call, out, call you out in front of everybody. You're in the wrong place. This place of honor belongs to this man. And embarrassed, <laughs> you'll have to make your way to the very last table, the only place left. When you're invited to dinner, go and sit at the last place, Jesus is saying. Then when the host comes, he may very well say, friend, come up to the front. That will give the dinner guests something to talk about. So he's saying, don't be elbowing for the best place or the place of honor. He's saying, just go and take a seat at the furthest table, and then you will come and be invited and be told to come and sit in the place of honor. And he says, that will actually give the guests something to talk about. Not about, wow, look who got into the seat of honor. It will be even more of an announcement when it happens that way. And then, and then Jesus says this. He says, what I'm saying is, if you walk around all high and mighty, you might end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simply yourself, then you will become more than yourself. That's amazing. The thing about Jesus is that he's always in teacher mode, isn't he? Always takes an opportunity to teach people and to teach those that he loves and cares for. And so at this particular dinner party, he's drawing the attention of the guests to something that he has noticed. He's showing them that there's a cultural way to do things, and then there is a kingdom way to do things. There's a way that the world does things, and there is a way that, that Jesus does things. And he's addressing their elbowing, and, and they're rallying for the position for the best seat. And when I read this, it made me think about something that Jesus was trying to tell them. It made me think about a game that I once played when I grew up, and the thing about when I grew up, I don't know about you, is that when you played with friends, they actually had to be at your house in order to play for them, uh, play with them. They had to come to your house. They weren't on a headset somewhere else. They weren't on a screen somewhere else. They weren't on the other side of a cell phone. They had to actually be there, and, and so the neighborhood kids would come around, and I'm convinced that back in those days, how many of you remember those days? Back in those days, this is where parents had to get creative about creating games that would just get the children out of their hair. So I think hide and seek must have been invented by a desperate mom. 
I think she must have said, listen, uh, guys, why don't you all run away and go and hide somewhere and then, then I'm going to come and try and find you. And I'm going to count to 500, okay? And then I'll come and find you. So then the mother would take a rest. I think that's what happened. And, and another one of the games that they invented was one called musical chairs. How many of you remember the game of musical chairs? For those of you that don't know the game of musical chairs, anyone here that's under 20, I think, would never have heard of musical chairs, is that the way the game works is that you would pack out a number of chairs. You'd usually have them back to back and there would be one on either end. And, and there were always... There was always one chair less than what there were the number of kids that were going to play the game. And so there was music that would be played on a, on a tape deck, and, and the music would start, and the idea of the game is that you would walk around to the beat of the music, and when the music stopped, you would have to quickly grab a seat. That was how the game worked. And if the music stopped, there would be one child that obviously didn't get to the seat, and they would have to exit the game. So Jesus, I think, was saying to these guys, he was saying, guys, it sounds to me like you're playing a game of musical chairs, trying to get the best position. Just your whole focus is around just getting the best position and the dangers of this game that the culture of today plays. The, the culture has this game of musical chairs and it, and it beats its own sound and, and we find ourselves being roped into playing this game. And if you're not careful playing this game, you might find yourself feeling entitled. That's one of the characteristics of playing this life game of musical chairs is that you feel that you're entitled. And I'm not talking about the kind of entitlement that would come where a child maybe is born into an environment where they have everything and, and, and you know, what they would receive from their dad would automatically, they would be entitled to that and they would have a sense of entitlement, maybe a little spoiled even. That's not the kind of entitlement that I'm talking about because that kind is quite, it happens seldom. But more commonly in life, entitlement creeps in in different ways. And I'm referring to maybe you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. Maybe where, uh, where you were born, you were born into a life of poverty, a life of difficulty. Maybe you were born into a, a dysfunctional family and you, and you said that there was, you know, I'm there. You made a decision that you were never going to, to turn out that way, but you were determined to make a success of your life. And so you worked really hard and did everything that you could to avoid growing up in that kind of situation to make a success of your life. And in, and in doing that, a sense of entitlement may have crept into your life and you, you feel like this seat is my seat because I have earned this seat. I deserve this seat because of what I've done. And, and you know, all it takes is, is one natural disaster. One bad fall for an athlete to lose his entire career one financial crisis for that business that was self-made to come crumbling down. Even if you say, you know what, I'm a self-made man or I'm a self-made woman, we can't allow entitlement to come in like that. Or, or perhaps entitlement might come in, in another way where, where you feel you're entitled because you never made bad decisions in your life. You never decided to... to become a slave to the drink. 
You've been married for 10 years and, and, and you have, you know, you, you're not divorced. You didn't, you've had fights, but you never took the decision to, to get divorced. Or, you know, you, you pray 10 hours every day and, and you've memorized the Bible. You read the Bible in one sitting and, and you've memorized all of the scriptures. And, and so, you know, as a result of that good life that you live, you feel that you're entitled. You feel that by doing that, you've placed yourself in a better position with God than anybody else. And in fact, when you allow that kind of entitlement to creep in into your mindset, you, be, you, 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 you might even discount people who maybe didn't make the right choice. And all of a sudden, they don't deserve the seat like you deserve the seat. They're not seen by God the way that you're seen by God. So that's, that's one of the things that this life game of musical chairs, one of the characteristics Another one of the characteristics of this game where the culture of musical chairs has its own music and, and so the music plays and, and, and the song is, is all about having the most uh, uh, likes on your Facebook and, and so you, you're trying to get as many likes as you can and, and you want to get as many followers as you can on, on Instagram and, and, and you need to be following the next hashtag. You need to be onto the next trend. And so you keep doing that and what happens is the more and more you're working to try and stay ahead of the game, you start to get exhausted. That's the second one. You get exhausted trying to keep up with everything that's happening. And just as you come to take a rest, you see, oh, they've got the latest Gucci belt. Well, I need to get the latest Gucci belt. And they live in this neighborhood. I need to make a plan to live in this neighborhood. I've got to move. I've got to drive that car. I've got to have that job. I've got to get those friends. I've got to be doing all these things. And what happens is you end up exhausting yourself because you can't keep up with what's expected by the world in this game, and, and, and you, maybe you don't have the finances to buy the best sporting equipment, but because your, your, you know, your son or your daughter, their friends have got the best sporting equipment, you, you get yourself into a really bad position because all you want to do is, is stay ahead of the game, stay ahead of the trend, and you find yourself getting exhausted. And we're in this rat race that we were never supposed to be in. Another one of the characteristics in this game, and I don't know if it ever happened to you, but certainly I've had that experience when playing the real musical chairs, is that when the music stops, you find that two of you are in close proximity to the chair. And, and really, at this point, the one who's got the biggest <laughs> is the one who's going to get the chair, right? So the one with the biggest will bump you off. They get the chair, and what happens to you? You end up falling to the ground and you're embarrassed. You're down on the ground and, and you're thinking, you know what? I didn't mean for my marriage to come to an end. I didn't mean, I didn't aim for my children to run away from home. I turned my back on the bottle my entire life. I didn't mean to get involved with that or, or with these drugs at this party. It was just a one-time thing and, and you end up on the floor. And your posture is here on your knees, embarrassed. And, and you think, but that's not what I was aiming for. I was aiming for the chair. And you know, that's really what sin is. Sin is just missing the mark. What happens with sin is that when we miss the mark, there's shame that sets in like embarrassment. And that can happen if we're not careful with this 
this game of musical chairs that the culture wants to drive us to. And the last one is when you get to the point of the music stops and you don't get to a chair, then you're excluded. And you feel like, you know what, I'm not fitting in anymore. I've, I've been excluded. I've been and, uh, uh, excommunicated, basically. And I, and, and, and I feel bad. And I don't have what they have. And, and, and I don't do what they do. And I don't have the friends that they have. And you'll find that as you play this culture game, you'll find yourself where you feel excluded in different seasons of your life. And, and the problem with musical chairs is that it's a game or a culture game of competition. We shouldn't be competing against each other. This is not what the design of life was. So I guess what I'm saying is that if you walk around all high and mighty, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. God wants you to know that there is a place for you at the table. There is a seat for you at the table. Jesus is saying, no, he was already saying that. That's on a previous, that's on an earlier note. What he's saying now is that there is more for you at the table. The truth is, folks, that you can be saved but not seated at the table because you're caught up in this cultural rat race. You might feel that if you don't perform well enough, if you don't do everything the way that it's supposed to be done, if you step out of line, you feel excluded. You feel like you're not part of what's going on and that there's no place for you at the table. But you see, God's table is different. In the culture, that chair, folks, is shaky. But the table of the kingdom is stable. At this table, there's no comparing no matter what your background is or, or what you've been through, none of that matters at the table. The only thing that matters is Jesus. All of us are on an equal playing ground at the table. Our wealth, our neighborhood, our friends, all of the good stuff in our life is nothing compared to him. At this table, there's no competing because everybody at this table is second place. Jesus is the only one that takes first place. So there's no competing at this table and, and none of us deserve to be at this table. What does that mean? It means that we can rest. We don't have to be elbowing each other for the seat of honor, for the best seat. We don't have to be doing that. We're all second place. We need to know how to rest. We need to learn how to rest in Jesus. Some of us are, are able to rest from things, but maybe we don't know how to rest in something. And that's why the table is here. There's safety in the table. There's security in the table. You don't have to fight for your place. Listen, it was given to you. Your failed attempts in life and, and your setbacks in life, do you know what those were? Your brokenness in life, that was your invitation to the table. That's not the disqualifier. That's the qualifier. That's how you get to the table is because of the very thing that you're perhaps embarrassed about. That's good news, I think. This table is a shame-free zone. Not even what happened in the parking lot tonight or this morning. Not even that matters at this table. The fight you had on the way to church. 
That doesn't matter at this table. Jesus, the host of this dinner party, says that all are welcome at this table. In fact, you've never laid eyes on anybody on this earth that God doesn't welcome to the table. You never will lay eyes on anybody that God doesn't welcome to the table. Some are seated, I find, in life. Some are seated by him, but not necessarily with him. They're in close proximity of Jesus, and, and they love Jesus. They love Jesus, but they're not seated by him. And perhaps they feel like they don't deserve to be seated by him, that the only way to get near him is to perform. But that's not how God is. No, everybody is invited to the table. In fact, at one of our songs earlier on in the worship session tonight, there was a big picture of a stone rolled away from the door of the tomb. I don't know if you saw that. Maybe you were just too lost in worship. But that stone has been rolled away, folks, and that stone being rolled away represents God's open-door policy. You can come to the table at any time. His open to you, no matter what has happened in your life, no matter, even if you were on the right track, even if you were tight with God and something happened, he's, the stone is his open door policy. Now, I've thought to myself that if this table is a shame-free zone, if that's what this table represents, why is it that so many people choose not to come to the table. I mean, if it's, this is the kind of place that you can be and not be judged, which really the world is looking for, why do people not rush to the table if it's this shame-free zone? And I thought about that. And I thought, you know what? In order to approach the table, you have to approach the chair first. And I think people think or people see that when they're approaching the table and they believe that they're going to be required to play musical chairs in order to qualify to be at the table. And they think, well, you know what? I'm not perfect. My children are not perfect. And in order for me to be involved or, or to get to that table, uh, I'm not going to qualify because I know what my children do and I, and I know what I do. And, and, and I, if I try to get to that table, I'm going to be required to serve every uh, spare hour that I have, every spare moment. I'm going to have to be at the church and I'm going to have to know these scriptures and I'm going to have to walk the right way and carry my Bible the right way. And people feel like they have to play musical chairs at the table. But you need to know that everybody is invited to the table. God will make room for you at the table. How many of you agree with that? God will make room for you at the table. You know, the goal of the culture is to be the last man standing. In this game, if you're the last one in the game, that's all you have to strive for. That's what the culture of the world does. You just have to focus on being the last man standing, but not in the kingdom of God. In fact, look at what Jesus says. He goes on in verses 12 of, of Luke chapter 14. Then he turned to the host, Jesus, turned to the host, and he said, next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and your family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who will return the favor. Invite some people who never get invited out, the misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. You'll be and experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned, and oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. 
You see, the culture says it's all about the last man standing, but the goal of the kingdom is to build a bigger table. That's why we're planting churches. That's why we have all of the Bible colleges and and continue to grow and encourage you to get onto Bible college because our goal, the goal of the kingdom is to make a bigger, to build a bigger table. That's why we have Sunday services, to build a bigger table. That's why we have welfare. And that department, that's why we have these serve the city days, is to build a bigger table so that everybody is welcome at the table. That's what we have to do is build a bigger table. You know, the interesting thing about Jesus is that he was the son of a carpenter. Jesus knew how to build stuff. You might say, but Paul, I don't know how to preach and, and I don't know how to teach. And I'll say to you, I know without a doubt that you know how to build Every one of us knows how to build. So how do I build? How do we build this bigger table? How can I also be a builder of this bigger table? Every time you serve, you're building. Every time you, you take a next step, you're building. That's why we want you to get onto growth track and, and, and discover your purpose and get involved and, and start to, to make a difference in the lives of others. Every time you do that, you're building a bigger table. Every time you move a camera. Every time you serve a coffee, every time you greet someone at the door, every time you park a car in the parking lot, every time you rock a baby, every time that you you help little children into their Sunday school class, you're building a bigger table. Every time you give, you're building a bigger table. Every time you invite someone to church, you're building a bigger table. Every time you bring your kids to the children's ministry, you're building a bigger table. And, And if I can be honest with you, we need builders. Someone might say to me, Paul, you know what? The table's great and I, and I really love what you're saying about it and I, and I, w- I want to be at the table. I, I see people at the table and they're having a good time and I also want to be a part of that, but the table looks a little crowded. I don't know where, it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to fit in there. There's just too many people around and, and they're not going to, I'm not going to be able to sit anywhere. It's just too crowded. And here's what I want to say to to you if you feel that's you and it's just a bit too many people. I'm not going to fit in. They're not even going to notice me. And I just, I can see it looks like it's obvious there's no space for me. I want you to know that there is always room for you at the table. You matter to God. Those of you at home, you matter to God. There is a seat for you at the table. Have you ever had a dinner party or or a gathering at your house and and you run out of seats? Has that ever happened? There's no more space. What do you do? We just, we pop another table on the end. We we grab that that trestle table that's sitting in the garage. We come and we put it on the end and and we start to move the lounge seats around and and line them up and, and maybe even go to the neighbors and get one or two chairs, bring the plastic chairs in from the garden, set outside and, and we'll make a place for you. We'll put you on the corner We'll scoot the others up, make some space for you. The point is, you all have a seat at the table. That's God's desire for you is to come to the table. He desires to be close to you. He doesn't want to see you sitting from a distance looking in. No, he's saying, come on, I've prepared a table for you. Not only do I... I believe that you should be at my feet like Mary, but you should be seated at my table. That's his table talk 
to you today. In fact, today can be the day where you stop playing the game of musical chairs and that you are seated at the table. That's God's message to you tonight. For those at home and in the other venues, God's saying, come on, come and be seated at the table where everybody is equal around the table. You don't have to fight your way into a seat. In fact, Jesus said the seat is already established. You just need to come and take your place at the table. Every head bowed and and every eye closed. Thank you for watching the Christian Family Church YouTube channel. Don't stop here. Join our online community and join us live every Sunday. Subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video or live stream and share this with your friends. Thank you again for watching and God bless you.